Welcome to the Cardboard Herald Reviews, where we give you audio versions of our game reviews, then go behind the scenes of our creative process. Istanbul the Dice Game, designed by Rudiger Dorn, artwork by Andreas Resch, Published by Pegasus Spiel and AEG 2017, two to four players, 20 to 40 minutes. Review Frantically Avoiding Your Engine by Jack Eddy. I can't think of a less interesting naming convention than Blank the Dice Game. Think about it. What it's really saying is, hey, you know that hit game you love? What if we took the elements you love about it and made it less good, more random, and repackaged it just enough so that you'll buy it again? Yeah, yeah, there are good dice games out there, but I think if you look deep inside, you'll at least be able to understand where I'm coming from. My dilemma, though, I think I like Istanbul the Dice Game more than its bigger, boardier cousin. How it rolls. Fundamentally, this is a game about gathering and spending resources with a limited number of actions to get the number of rubies needed to end the game. Like Istanbul, the game, not the city, as you spend your resources to pull rubies from their respective tracks, the costs increase, rewarding players who grab them early. That said, instead of spending resources on rubies, you can purchase sweet, sweet mosques, which, while the cultural ramifications are too bewildering for me to comment on, grant you special powers. So your essential decisions come down to either investing in your capabilities or grabbing points. A turn is super simple. You roll five dice, then take two actions likely related to those dice. Certain actions rely on combinations of multiple dice, like purchasing rubies from each of the four different tracks. The first ruby costs four yellow dice, then five, then six. And you're saying, wait a minute, six dice? I thought I only had five. Well, it's a good thing you can spend two matching dice for a good token of the same color, which can be held for future turns and be spent as that die result. There are lots of actions that give you various tokens, reroll gems, or cash that can be spent on the money ruby track, but the last two big aspects of the game come from the deck of cards and the mosques. The cards are like one-time bonuses, and when you spend card results on your dice, you draw that many cards and resolve one of your choice. Sometimes these are duds, requiring you to have certain resources to fulfill their requirements, and in other times they will be exactly what you needed. No matter what, if you can't do anything with the card, you get a consolation dollar. Lira? But the important part is that you get a random element you can choose to participate in, leaving it up to Lady Luck. The mosques, on the other hand, are your engine. These can do things like give you extra dice, increase the actions you can take each turn, or give you bonus money or cards that you can reap at the beginning of every single turn. These mosques, they are my downfall. Flow. Every gamer instinct I possess demands I invest in my production, get more workers, hone my engine, get more stuff. And while it's super rewarding to nab some mosques, the game moves faster than you expect, both in the actual time it takes to play the game, but also in how quickly you'll lose your opportunity to nab those cheaper rubies. Yes, the game does reward you with a bonus ruby for getting five mosques, but you'll tell yourself that at any cost you must get several of these mosques at the beginning of the game, even if it means spending all your resources that would be perfectly good for acquiring rubies. In a game where six rubies can trigger the final round, you don't have a lot of time to waste. 
I love that Istanbul the Dice Game maintains an abundance of temptation, especially with the limited number of actions per round, the tantalizing cards with their precious and often beneficial rewards, the sweet satisfaction of buying some low-cost rubies early in the game, and the surge of power through gathering several mosques is divine. Everything about this game is designed to make you feel good, and like your turn comes down to deciding what tasty morsel you want to consume. A well-dressed table. I'm a sucker for aesthetic. While there isn't anything particularly striking about the game, I dig the visual appeal. Where Istanbul proper feels enormous and somewhat cumbersome with its large tiles composing the board, this game is spartan, reserved, and efficient. The vibrant colors, the nice curves, the pretty dice, and the small yet chunky moss tiles all set up a pleasing and concise presentation on the table. Also of note is that Istanbul the Dice Game features some fairly easily deciphered iconography. Yes, there is the usual period of incomprehensibility when you first look upon your action sheet, but as soon as you walk through each action, pretty much every symbol on the cards, mosques, player board, dice, and reference sheets come together, cohesive, comprehensible, and useful. Where some other games reach for language independence and clumsily falter, this game comes across as refined. Final Thoughts Istanbul the Dice Game stands apart from its predecessor by reducing it to its barest and most fun bones. While I still think the original's innovative proximity-based worker placement and collection holds merit, the familiar feelings of careful action selection, tactical use of current board state, and the balance between production and development is preserved in this faster-playing and easier-managed box. One of my chief fears going into this game was that the overwhelming randomness of dice would undermine strategy and too often result in lucky rolls leading to a lucky winner. But there are so many good options for how to use your dice and plenty of ways to augment, ignore, and altogether re-roll your dice that each roll feels like an encouraging challenge rather than a bewildering predicament. In each of my many, many plays, it has been the players who make smart choices and account for probabilities who win, not just some lucky duck sitting on a throne of fortunate rolls. That said, the one area where this game really suffers in comparison to its predecessor is that each game will feel extremely familiar. Sure, the moss tiles and dice rolls that appear in a game will slightly change it up, but there is a familiar arc that you'll grow accustomed to and very little about the game will dynamically change from session to session. Ultimately, this Istanbul the Dice Game fits solidly alongside games like Splendor and Century Spice Road, a race to the finish with quick actions and quick turns leading to quick games. Except, this game delivers meatier choices and more options per turn to play with. In essence, it consolidates the really enjoyable, consequential choices of feelings of empowerment of its predecessor while standing as a completely different beast unto itself. And while I've become less enamored with Istanbul since its release, feeling the game often takes more setup and analysis for the core experience deserves, the dice game is full of snappy, potent fun worth repeating again and again. Hey everyone, welcome to the additional thoughts and behind the scenes Q&A portion of our Istanbul the Dice Game review. And if you were watching this on YouTube, you're like, yo, what's the deal with this? 
Well, the Cardboard Herald has a bunch of different podcasts, primarily an interviews podcast, but we also have TCBH Reviews, which is audio versions of our written reviews and sometimes our video reviews along with this lovely segment where we just kind of get loose and talk about things having to do with the game, the creative process, that kind of thing. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, you're probably tired of me giving this explanation. So deal with it or just hit that forward 15 seconds thing. You'll figure it out. Anyway, I wanted to first off say that this was kind of exhilarating getting to this review. This was kind of the renaissance of writing reviews for the Cardboard Herald. Kicked off with Clans of Caledonia, I want to say, or maybe it was the Tale of Ord for Post Curious. But there was a while there where I was having a ton of writer's block when it came to written reviews. I had been really hammering video reviews for a while, and I, I just fell out of practice. And the whole written reviews thing was the first thing that we did on the Cardboard Herald. It was the primary thing, the genesis of everything that we do at this point was to write thoughtful criticism on games and to get better at writing. And I was having some serious writer's block when it came to actually writing written reviews. And I think it's because I was spending so much time thinking about how to script video reviews that I didn't really know how to get back into the groove of things. And fortunately, a few really came fully formed and kind of rekindled my love of the written form as a distinct and equally creative and equally interesting project that I could do in order to comment on games. And so since then, I've been really cranking out a lot of written reviews to the point where I have some sitting in the bank right now. Anyway, so... This is one of the ones that really got me back into things where things just kind of like barfed out, like fully baked. I had a review in mind, I had an angle in mind, and the title was really where it started in this one uh, because the title is Frantically Ignoring Your Engine, which was a pervasive feeling that I had in playing Istanbul the Dice Game. You see, in this game, you are spending so much time looking at all the ways that you can increase your capabilities, like these really fantastic powers that are just awesome, that are laid out in these mosque tiles in front of you, but you have to do your best to avoid giving into that need, to, to avoid giving into the urge to make this all-powerful engine because the game moves so quick that if you're spending all your time working on the engine as your instinct will be to do based off of every bit of board gaming training that you've had in your entire life, then you will miss out on some serious rubies, which I think is the genius of the game is that things become more expensive as the game progresses because as people spend the green resource or the blue resource or the red resource or the yellow resource, then it takes more and more of those. Likewise, money or spending the combinations of resources, it's just going to end up being more expensive down the road. So you're giving up on the opportunity for cheaper stuff if you're spending time just focusing on building up your engine but you also kind of want to build up your engine too, which is a big fun of the game. And if you ignore any of those components, then you're probably not going to win the game, which is kind of cool. I also like that it gives you a, a very 
asymmetric look at the end of the game. Not necessarily in like really dramatic asymmetric powers, but because every action counts and you're limited on how many actions that you have in the game, it really does feel like if someone has one or two mosque tiles different than you, their turns can go many different ways and you start becoming envious. You covet your neighbors, which is also a cool feeling to have. You want a feeling that the grass is always greener. Like, yeah, I'm powerful, but they're even more powerful. But if you had what they had, then you'd be eyeing what everyone else has. The, the desire to have the capabilities that are presented by the powers and the, the opportunity cost in choosing one over another is to me the mark of a good game that's tension that's what you want i mean come on we talk about tension all the time in board game reviews that's what we should be looking for now you'll notice that earlier i said that uh, the resources that you're spending are the blue the green the red and the yellow i didn't really hammer this home in the review itself but it isn't exactly a thematic game in that everything very quickly and urgently boils down to the barest mechanical parts so that way you can take that turn with that kin kinetic energy again. Uh, you want to ignore the theme as much as possible so that way you can wrap your brain around the, the mechanical problems uh, at your feet hands actually because you typically don't play games with your feet. But um, again, I, I love theme in games. I love mechanics that reflect and embrace and intertwine with theme. But in a game like this, I kind of appreciate the way that it's this gorgeous abstract with vibrant colors and has a lot of table presence and allows you to abstract yourself from that theme to the point where it becomes the, this very... Uh, mechanically focused game, but still have the the beauty uh, and the elegance uh, of the presentation. Um, again, a, a total success for it and something that mirrors something like Splendor. Now, Q&A, uh, the, there were some questions that I got and some concerns, some feedback. I had some call outs on this one. The, the main question that I got was, is this replacing Istanbul for me? Because I was kind of harsh on the original Istanbul. Yes or no, because I still have Istanbul on my shelf, but I don't have Istanbul the dice game because I don't own the game. I have a friend who came over and we played a ton of it, but I still haven't picked it up yet. It's on my wish list. I no longer have to review it, and I don't really need a game of that type in my collection. But if I were to get it for Christmas or something, let's say, then I could easily see getting rid of Istanbul and yeah, I'd probably get rid of Splendor too because it totally fits that need. The other question is what does it deliver that Istanbul, the, the board game, uh, doesn't? And it, it's more the inverse in that Istanbul, the board game, does something that I don't like that Istanbul the Dice Game avoids, and that's actually the setup. See, 
I love games that are emergent, that you explore. Uh, I have a huge fondness for Eclipse. Archipelago is one of my favorite games. I, I love games that grow outward. And that's really cool when the game has the kind of scope that supports that to, to make it feel like a dynamic world, that it's worth exploring. And I hate Istanbul's setup. It just feels preemptively boring, like having to look up the rules of what can't be across from what and what can't be on the corners and what sections. And I like that there are random elements, but Istanbul, I think, plays best at two to three players. And a two to three player game is fast enough that I don't want to deal with like 15 minutes of setup and rules look up. The other question or concern um, that I got is that uh, someone on Board Game Geek over here, I'm going to bring it up, uh, called me out for a uh, very specific language I use because in the review, I say, uh, I, I thought I was being witty with my timing and I said, uh, Istanbul, parentheses, the game, not the country. And this user, Jamie Murphy, just writes, Istanbul, the game, not the country, question mark. Because, yeah, Istanbul is not a country. It is a city within a country. Um, and I don't know why I thought that at all. Uh, so I went back and corrected the review on Board Game Geek and on the site, but I wanted to own up to that. And I thought it was so funny. And I, I thanked Jamie for uh, pointing that out. Um, I, I don't know. I, for whatever reason, Istanbul looms so large in my mind, probably because of the song Istanbul, not Constantinople, which I can't help but sing every time that I'm playing the game, as I imagine many of you do as well. Uh, but yeah, that game is... Um, <laughs> that game is named after a city. I deserve to be scolded for that. So anyway, that's the additional thoughts, reviewers Q&A, and just overall meanderings on Istanbul, the dice game. I hope you enjoyed watching this or listening to this, and I'd love to hear some feedback. If this is your first exposure to the Cardboard Herald, uh, welcome uh, for stuff. I promise that we have much more scripted and much more edited stuff in the other corners of our channel, and I hope that you check it out. If you hated it, let me know if you kind of liked it in a weird, uh, charming way. Uh, well, that's how I've tried to live my life is just being a goofy, somewhat bumbling, charming guy. And I'd love to hear that too. Um, any sort of feedback is appreciated. Anyway, thank you so much for watching. I've been Jack for the Cardboard Herald. Thank you for listening to the Cardboard Herald. As always, everything we do is ad-free and audience-supported. If you'd like to help keep it that way, find the Patreon link at the top of our webpage, CardboardHerald.com. We have several levels of support with various rewards. If you enjoyed the show, we do a whole bunch of other stuff, including reviews, interviews, and recommendations across writing, podcasts, and video. You can find that on our YouTube channel or by visiting any of our social media or our website. So with that out of the way, thank you again for listening to the Cardboard Herald. Thank you.